Welcome to Irreverent Testimony, brought to you by Netroots Radio, the political podcast by and for millennial and Gen Xer types from a left-wing perspective. It is Saturday, March 22nd, 2019. I'm Travis. I'm Rachel. And we are doing a little remote uh, podcast for you today. We are on vacation. Yeah. And yet podcasting. Yeah. We went to the mountains. It's been a stressful couple weeks and I just wanted to get away. So we're up in the mountains in Colorado and um, laying on a bed and uh, Mm -hmm. podcasting. We're up in Estes Park, Colorado, which is uh, home of the Stanley Hotel, which was the basis for and where the movie version of The Shining was shot, of course. I actually uh, think it wasn't actually shot at the Stanley. I think that there's like a whole history there. But anyway, it's the Stanley of The Shining. Yeah. I thought it was the whole thing was shot there. No, that's not true. But uh, it doesn't matter. It's a whole thing. If you go do, there's like a ghost tour that you can do at the Stanley where like they walk you through all the creepy, spooky things. Um, (laughs) Well, we're about a half a mile from there. Yeah. Uh, And I stayed at the Stanley once. You should not do that. It's a very old hotel. um, And uh, the walls are paper thin. It's overpriced. There's too many children. Um, So... Yeah, there's two uh, those twins that are in the hallway. They, whenever <laughs> so I go there, loud. they re- yeah, <laughs> three in the morning. The they're banging on the door. The Literally though, like just... at like four in the morning, there was like banging on the door and uh, on the walls. And black sludge came out of my bathtub. I was in a bath and um, got a knock on the door. And the lights were out because I was in a bath and just enjoying myself. And there was a knock on the door, and I went to answer the door. And they were like, "Are you? Um, is your?" bathtub overflowing and I was like what and they're like is your bathtub overflowing and I was like no um I'm like well the the floor below you they have water leaking coming from your room so they come in and the lights get turned on and I look into the bathtub and there was black sludge that had been I was just laying in apparently and (laughs) didn't know um so they changed my room uh and the lights didn't work and then they changed my room again and then it was on the there was a balcony attached to it and they had to um, paint the, the windows um, at seven in the morning. Um, paint the windows? Yeah, the outside, the exterior, because there's like this balcony thing if you if you look at this in the hotel on the outside. And I was in that room and they were doing some repainting. And so I had to, uh, they were outside my my balcony at seven in the morning painting. So yeah, it was a really miserable experience. (laughs) So visit the Stanley, but don't stay there. And that's not where we're staying now. And that is entirely aside from anything political. Great. Okay. Uh, we want to talk about our March madness bracket. No. (laughs) (laughs) Why? It's not that bad. I mean, it's about, it's about middle, middle of the road. Okay. Average. I mean, we got some wins, some losses. Did I do better than you? Yeah, you are doing a little better than me. Um, and I know nothing about basketball. <laughs> yeah, uh, was a couple of a couple of upsets you picked, a couple that you missed on, and uh, yeah, that's, the, that's all there is to say about that, I guess. That's exciting. Yeah, uh, Warren Buffett, you know, famously does the if you get a perfect bracket, he'll give you a billion dollars. Is that right? Yeah, that was his original thing, and now he's changed. Now it. he's changed it. So if you get perfect, perfect sweet, sweet sixteen bracket, you get a million, million dollars, dollars a year for, for the rest of your life. Yeah, yeah. But I guess I missed out on that. No, yet. we're not getting that either. Uh, no. <laughs> I mean, he tried to make it a little easier, but yeah, yeah. Anyway. 
And I guess there's not much else to talk about. Should we be done? Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, let's get to it. Uh, the Mueller report is done and handed in and being graded right now, I suppose. Uh, and everybody is losing their mind, speculating what's in it, what's not in it, what it means, what it doesn't mean. Everybody, of course, is jumping 85 steps ahead yep. and assuming it means this and that. And people are already jumping to, well, if, if, if Trump doesn't get indicted or it's not recommended that he be impeached, then Mueller is really in on it the whole time. And he's part of the, the Trump conspiracy. None of this is happening. Stop. Yeah, everybody's just like, we don't know what's in it, but there's what we do know. It's not going to be a nice cut and dry. Babar, Bill Barr, I screwed that up. Bill Barr is not going to turn around and be like, well, here's the report. Everybody look at it. Like they're going to dole out pieces of it and there's going to be a fight between what gets released and what's not and how the conclusions come to. And it's going to be a weeks and months long process of trying to extract what it means. Well, I think the thing people are so upset about is that essentially what has been said is that at this point, um, Mueller's team is not recommending any more indictments. Yeah. And that's the thing that we have to sort of parse out, which is that in terms of this specific um look into this and what his sort of uh, purview was that there are no specific indictments however we know that there are certain indictments already in place that are under seal we know that he's handed a lot of things off to other agencies that are not the doj um we know that we don't know what those things are um and and that continuing cooperation exists between many of the um, informants, Michael Flynn and Gates and uh, Manafort. And like, there's a lot still going on. It's just that this is the conclusion of the um, Russian interference in the 2016 election investigation. Yeah. Let's back up a little bit and explain a couple of things to remind everybody, because it's been so long and there've been so many permutations that people kind of forget, right? Uh, Once, Once Trump fired Comey and then was stupid enough to go on television and say, I fired him to get rid of the Russia investigation. Right. That is when Rod Rosenstein, uh, who was deputy AG AG and then acting AG once Comey was fired, said we need a special prosecutor. And the purview of the special prosecutor was because it had been established that, that the Russians interfered in the election. And then there was some question as to how involved the Trump campaign was in that in terms of coordinating with the Russians to interfere in the election, right? right? And so that is what his job was. And now if other things came up in the course of that, or of course in the course of the investigation, if you lied <laughs> to mm-hmm. the special prosecutor, that could get you in trouble too. And that right. is what a lot of people did. Right. So, And remember that he that's what he is charged with investigating, mm-hmm. is, is whether or not the Trump campaign had anything to do with helping that effort. Right. And then, you know, anything he discovers outside of that, which is a lot, I think, um, is going to be handed off to the appropriate, um, law enforcement and or, uh, prosecutorial agency as. Well, I was going to get to that, right? Because a lot of people thought, okay, oh boy, Mueller is going to indict Don Jr. and Ivanka and Kushner. And when he started handing off portions of this, mm-hmm. or, you know, oh, he's going to nail Trump for tax evasion or money laundering. Mm-mm. When he started handing off 
parts of this to other jurisdictions, it became pretty clear, like, no, he's not going to do that. Because he's by the book. But, well, he's he is by the book. And, he's no Ken Starr. Right. And, and he doesn't want to do this for 10 years, right? Right. Like... Um, yeah, it, it became actually pretty clear. Okay. It's probably not going to indict anyone past the idiots who, I mean, it, I mean, there was the bald face stuff right in front of him, like the Manafort stuff. Right. Right. Um, and, and the Flynn and the Flynn and the Flynn stuff. But like and everyone else that's him, been indicted, um, has pretty much, uh, and in addition to his indictments of them have also additionally been indicted by other jurisdictions about things that have nothing to do with whether the Trump campaign, you know, colluded with Russia to interfere with the election. I think we should stop saying colluded and start saying conspired. Conspired. Because that is more in line with what the, the legal jeopardy of the, that action would be. Would be conspiracy. Right. Um, sure. Whatever you want to call it. Right. Had anything to do with um, helping the Russians interfere with the election in an effort to have Trump be the president. Right. So we don't know. We know there's going to be a lot of spin. And we know no matter what was going to happen with the Mueller report that the Republicans and the right-wing media was going to say he was a witch hunt, there's nothing there, see, blah, 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 blah. Like, okay. I mean, you're going to have to have some patience with this. Right. It is going to take a lot of time. And that doesn't even count everything that the House committees are doing. Correct. You know, I mean, like, the, the Mueller report, it became clear, I think, to us probably over the course of the last three to six months, like... Like, the Mueller report is not going to be... It's not going to be the Star report. No. Like, that's what people are expecting. They're mm -hmm. expecting this large tome of juicy details about the sex life of Bill Clinton, only <laughs> right. the, you know, conspiracy of Donald Trump. It's just not that. No, because Robert Mueller is not Ken Starr. He's this isn't that. Mm -hmm. We're not going to get that. That's not what's going to come out of this. No. Um, now, stuff's going to be leaked, and it'll be interesting, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to take weeks and months, and stuff's going to dribble out and yep. drip out and drips and drabs. And that is probably, in the long run, probably a lot worse for Trump. If if the whole thing came out today and it was bad, like, it, we'd have the typical infighting and this means that and, and say Mueller's an angry Democrat. And then in a couple of weeks, we'd, we'd probably have moved on. The, the way it's going to kind of dribble out is probably almost even worse, in my opinion. Now, they, you know, however, however much they spin it and see and, and say, see, no collusion, no collusion. Like, I don't know. I, I feel two ways about it, right? Like, mm -hmm. uh, there's been such anticipation and so many people on our side of the aisle are really feeling anxious and sort of um, upset and, and, and not knowing. And there's this, like, there's been so much anticipation that this idea that, like, now there's this report and what does it mean? Like, what's going to happen? They, they want this big revelatory moment. Mm -hmm. And um, I think... This slow dribbling um, dilutes it to a point where it's like, well, well, oh, then there's one little thing, and then there's another little thing, and then there's, and I think it does the dilution of it may um, make it harder for us to see the bigger picture all at once. We're gonna have to sort of um, piece it back together. Yeah, piece yeah. it back together and kind of look at it from a historical perspective, um, even if that historical perspective was only like a couple of years, you know, to sort of understand exactly what happened in a way that like Watergate didn't really roll out that way because no, that just, so I think that, I don't know. I feel two ways about it. I understand the anxiety and the, the sort of like, what does it mean from the left? Um, 
I'm confident that it will work itself out, but I, I understand where that comes from. And I do worry a little bit about like, if there is no explosion, if there is no like big thing that happens that people will be like, well, maybe he didn't really do anything. And then it sort of gets lost in, in the the daily, Oh, this week, this happened. And it sort of just gets lost in like, what did he actually do anything? And then by the time 2020 happens, we're like, I don't know, there was this whole thing about this Mueller thing and nothing really happened. And you're like, actually 27 million things happened, but nothing big happened. And so I, I don't know that we can keep people's attention enough to say, well, plenty of a big, big thing. things have happened. Yeah, but the, that his doesn't campaign matter. manager is, is going to die in that, prison. Nobody cares. That's what I'm saying. Like Nobody cares about that anymore. No, That's not him, you know? I just don't know that we can make a case for impeachment if it's just this slow dribble. Well, let's, I think let's, it's let's, harder to Well, do not that. based on the Mueller report alone, no. But let me back up. But that's up. what everybody's been waiting for. Well, then they were misguided. This, well, is, what, this is my point. Like, if you thought that Mueller was going to slap cuffs on Donald Trump and perp walk him, you were, you were unrealistic. That's what everyone's been saying for <laughs> okay. two years. Well, we like to pretend that was the case, but that's not realistic. That's not going to happen. And... Here's the bottom line. It's just like in 2018 when when we were coming up on the midterms and everyone was saying, Mueller, come rescue us. And we were like, no, you the, what rescues us is going to the ballot box and voting these assholes out. And that is what's going to save us in 2020. Bottom line. Now, hopefully some more things will be revealed to uh, highlight some of the dastardly deeds of 2016 in the Trump campaign. And one way or another, we will have a lot of that highlighted, whether it's via uh, details from the Mueller report or from the House investigations or more leaks or whatever have you. Like the stuff always gets out eventually at some point. But like if your focus and your energy was all on Mueller's going to rescue us, like that was probably never the smart move. And I know we've been excited about it and we've been talking a lot about it, but we never said like, oh, don't worry, Mueller's going to rescue us. Like the only thing that's going to save us is voting as many Republicans out of power, including Donald Trump and Mike Pence, you know, as vigorously as possible. That that is the remedy. Well, we still have it. Like that, that is the main takeaway from this. It's a reminder. Like we don't know what's in the Mueller report, but Mueller's not slapping the cuffs on him. And we don't know if it's going to be anything as concise as to say you should impeach him. Right. It probably won't be at the, you know, ultimately, or if it was that we even see that because Barr could shield that. We, we don't know. Well, he's not going to make a recommendation about impeachment of the president. That's not his job. No, he is a prosecutor. He's an investigator. So his job is to say, here are the things that happened. And then it's up to Congress to decide whether or not there are impeachable offenses inside of that. Yeah. And since you can't indict a sitting president, as I guess we've decided for whatever reason. <laughs> yeah. That's, um, they're going to stick with that. I then, mean. then it really lays down. It just comes back to Congress. Um, and we already knew that. Right. And, 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 and again, this is why 2020 is so crucially important. And there's a lot of people doing a lot of good work on that front that we'll get to, but there's no reason to be freaking out either way about the fact that the Mueller report is dropped or but what you gotta, might or might you not got, be in it. You, you got to like back up for a minute though. Of course it's, I think it's unfair to say that people have expected something 
um, because they're naive or because they don't know how things work or because whatever um, about the Mueller report, given the way that everyone talks about it, that everyone has been talking about it for the last two years, Mm -hmm. that every everyone in the media, us included in some cases, have have talked about it, have, have, have talked about like well, Mueller's not done. And I mean, the way that we talk about the Mueller investigation is, has been for everybody. I think a lot of people on our side, this thing that's like, okay, okay, we'll be patient. We'll wait, but he's going to get down to the bottom of what well, happened. Well, and hold, we'll on find out. hold on a second. Forget us. Look at how Trump has reacted the whole time to this. Just 48 hours ago, you had him saying some guy comes in and writes a report. You know, some random guy off right. the street writes a report. Why? How's that fair? Right. Like, Trump is, obvi- is, is obviously scared of things being uncovered. Yes. Now, you know, he it, it might not have all been on Mueller's plate. And again, this is why patience is needed. Like, you have SDNY, you have ongoing investigations, you have the House. Like, Mueller might not have been able to nail him, but he certainly might have laid the groundwork for him to be in deep, deep shit. Right. I just think that the mischaracterization of what Mueller's, um, the way that we've been talking, not us necessarily, but like the general media has been talking about this um, investigation. I think it's understandable why people are like, what, what, what's over? But nobody's been going to jail. Um, and we don't know what's in it, but I think you're right that, that, Whatever's in it probably will lay the groundwork for other um, jurisdictions or mm-hmm. Congress or whoever to to sink their teeth into what really happened. Sure. And I think, you know, history tells us that whatever happened, we'll find out about eventually. We just don't know when that will be. Well, let's think. And about I think it. what you're saying is right. That yeah. like what we can do is we, we can't do anything about what's in the report or when we find out about what's in the report or what happens about what's in the report. What we can do which is a thing that you got to focus on when you're in this sort of traumatic situation. <laughs> what can I actually do is you can do um, a lot of campaigning and voting, <laughs> right, in yes. 2020 yeah. um, and not eating our own. That's what all the other <laughs> well, we're going we to we'll get to that. We'll get to later and we'll get to that. But Probably ruin our vacation getting very angry. But, mm-hmm. but that's what you can do. I mean, you like after Trump was elected, you and I sat down for a very long time and had a lot of thoughts about what the fuck are we going to do? We still have those thoughts. And what we decided to do <laughs> was continue to do this, but also like hyper local politics. Yes. What can I do? What can I actually do? And what can I actually affect? And what I can actually do and actually affect is local politics mm-hmm. and state politics. Yeah. And that this is, this is that it's just what you can actually do is like not eat your own and then go campaign and knock on doors and donate and volunteer for whatever Democratic candidate you like the best, and then whichever one wins, fucking vote for them. Okay, let me let me just back up a little bit with with this all the spin around the Mueller report, and just think about a couple things. Use a little common sense and think about a couple things. Okay, in the intervening weeks and months here since the report has been delivered, the big fight between and Congress is doing it already between Congress and the DOJ and Barr is going to be how much of the report can we actually see? And Democrats say, we want to see every word. You know, we want we want a PDF of the report online so everybody can see it, right? And, and Barr is going right, to fight that. Right, like the that. Star Report. Right. And Republicans are going to fight that. And so, and, you know, up until today when Trump is quiet, 
Um, you know, Trump has been screaming about witch hunt, witch hunt, Mueller's an angry Democrat, Mueller should be in prison or whatever. And Fox News has been echoing that. So think to yourself, OK, with Repo- now Republicans could turn around, which I doubt and say, yeah, yeah, the report's great. Let's release the whole thing. Some of them might say that, but they're not going to do that. Do you think really everything in the report is exculpatory and there's nothing damaging in there if they're going to fight as hard as they can to have much of it not released? No. No, of course not. Well, we already, this is the thing that we have to remember. We already know that so much of what's going to be in there is not exculpatory because so many people have already been indicted. Sure, yeah. So many people have already been sentenced. So Republicans don't even As need a, a result reminder of the about investigation. all these people in the Trump orbit that are... Look, that Michael Flynn, law. Paul Manafort, Gates, all these people, none of them... Uh, Papadopoulos. All of the, what is it, 17 people that were indicted and charged? Mm-hmm. Um, all of that is as a result of the Mueller investigation. None of that happens without the Mueller investigation. So it's already been successful in some ways, right? Mm-hmm. 17 people have been indicted, charged, and or sentenced, right? Like, that's already happened. Yes. So, without the Mueller investigation, none of that would have happened. And all the things that we already know about Trump's well, people, Well, it, it may we have happened in other jurisdictions, maybe, like, I think Manafort was so dirty and so obviously dirty, he would have been busted somehow eventually. But, like, the point is, yeah, you're right. Like, like this is... A wholesale uh, culling of all these awful people in the Trump orbit that were breaking the law and doing horrible things. And it's a whole bunch of them. And it's a whole bunch of them. And that in and of itself is highly problematic, obviously. But, you know, just just think, would Trump have been losing his mind and trying to stop this thing the whole time if he thought he had nothing to hide? And are Republicans going to go out of their way to try to keep as much of this report out of the public eye as much as possible if they they think this is, you know, it's all exculpatory and it's great. The report's going to say Trump is great and he didn't do anything wrong. No, of course not. So use a little common sense and understand there's going to be spin. And and tune out MSNBC, except for, you know, the the primetime nighttime hours, because they're all awful and they are all giddy with delight to tell you that the Mueller report did nothing. And this is great for Trump and he's going to be reelected president 27 times. They're they're really excited to tell you that they're desperate to tell you that. Don't listen to it. Or, if it, you know, if it makes you mad. Focus on 2020. That's the best I can tell you. And and I'm not trying to I'm not trying to denigrate our listeners or people out there and say you were a fool if you thought Mueller was going to rescue you. No, just like my point is, it's not that simple, and yeah. it was never that simple. Right. And and it's it's okay if you're really upset and concerned and and about the fact that like Trump and his family has not been indicted. Like I am too. Right. But but just understand that like. The way that the media sort of spun this whole thing was really about ratings yes. and not so much about like yeah, tune in the tonight actual for law, all the latest Mueller drama, right? right? Um, and not about actually how the law works. And remember, what we always say is that like Mueller is a very by the book guy, and he, I promise you, did this very much by the book, and not so much for his like reputation and to like get a bunch of media, but because this is how like actual law works. As opposed to somebody like Ken Starr. Now, let me also put it to you this way, right? When James Comey got up and did his pontificating speech at the conclusion of the uh, Hillary uh, server investigation, right? Uh, The takeaway from that was that there was no law broken and there's nothing to charge her with. But that didn't help Hillary Clinton because he went out of way to play plenty like uh, she fucked up and this was terrible and it was a horrible thing. And of course, he shouldn't have said any of that. That was violating the very policy in place that 
so you don't put a thumb on the scale politically. And Comey was worried that Republicans were going to yell. Yeah, at he's him. an asshole. Who cares? He's an idiot. Right. He's an asshole. But you know, like that didn't help her. <laughs> so if, if, of course, things aren't the same, and and it's 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 not a level playing field. But if the Mueller report details all these horrible things Trump did, but there's not enough for me to charge him with, or we can't charge him because that's DOJ policy. Like people are going to spin it as a win for Trump, but it really isn't. Um, just keep that in mind. Like we don't know what's in the report, but my, my hunch is if you take it at face value and you read it, it's, it's not going to say well, <laughs> Trump's a good guy. That, I think we have to remember that like, Everything, I think most people with everything that we've already learned from all of the things that Mueller has uncovered already, people have already read and already know. And most people have some idea of whether or not this man is guilty of something or suspect him to be guilty of something or Mm -hmm. feel like he's just not a very good guy. Um, And so, right, like, I don't know that it takes like, anybody saying anything other than just like look at every night on the news and some new explosive thing comes out and and obviously this dude is fucking dirty right and most americans agree with that most americans have an impression of that what they're waiting for is for some like they're waiting for dad to come in and say he did it (laughs) right that's the Mueller report they're waiting for dad to come in and say here's what he did and here's how he did it and here's you know and i I don't know that that's what the report's going to say but I think everybody already knows he did it. And then they're just waiting for someone to come in and say unequivocally, yes. And here's how it happened. And I don't know if we're ever going to have that, at least not in the next two years. Right. But I think most people, even at this point, without reading anything Mueller wrote, um, agree like, dude's dirty, right? Right. And dude's that, like and a that's mobster. Either, it's either right? fine with them or it's not. Or it's not. Right. And or I don't know it, that it, even if whatever's in there is going to change any mind at this point. A few. I think ah. there's still some people out there who could be swayed by that. Enough that matter? I don't know. I don't know. It's I hard don't to know. Say. It is hard to say. Yeah. And again, that, that, that brings me to another point that I, I don't know if I'm going to make it this show or that, but I want to talk a lot about, you know, there's this prevailing feeling that the problem is like people don't know. They don't know what's going on. They don't know that Trump is doing these horrible things. They don't know about the kids in the cages and they don't know about the deals with the Russians and the Saudis. It's like, no, I think people do know. And the problem is so many of them don't care. Yes. Uh, and, and yeah, that's probably a bigger discussion than we're going to get to on this episode. Right. And it's about sort of like so many things yeah. about exhaustion and, and about racism and <laughs> I mean, yeah, <clears throat> it's probably bigger than this episode, but right. agreed. I don't, I don't think there's very many people that don't have some idea of what's going on. Like you look at like a Josh, right? Her brother. And my, yeah. Right. As goes, Josh has goes the country generally, except for Trump. Generally apolitical, um, except for what's talked about around the water cooler. And, Is that you know, to say? I think, yeah, um, especially prior to this election. Mm-hmm. And um, even now, sort of like likes the devil's advocate kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, sort of centrist with a little bit of a libertarian slant, but like super socially liberal. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, even he knows like a lot about what's going on right now. Um 
I don't think he knows all of the details of like everybody's everything, but he knows that like shit's happening and Trump's a fucking dirty bastard. Like he knows that. Right. Um, and it matters to him. Mm-hmm. Right. He doesn't like Trump. He wishes he was not the president. He has a young daughter. He has a young daughter and a um, first generation Mexican immigrant girlfriend. Um Although that's more complicated. But yeah, yeah, it is. But yeah, no, I mean, that. yeah. But I think prior to the 2016 election, he was sort of like dabbled in it to play devil's advocate. And now I think he knows a lot more than he ever knew about a lot of things. And I think that's you. true for a lot of Americans. <laughs> I think that's true for a lot of Americans. I think a lot sure. of people like have paid attention and know like the word emoluments, right? <laughs> like that's uh, a thing that we talk about sometimes. About um, yeah. <clears throat> but I think that people are generally more aware of what's going on because it is just so pervasive. Mm-hmm. And it also, that leads to like oversaturation and exhaustion. And like, that's, I guess that was sort of what I was trying to say was like the dribbling out, I think is sort of damaging because it, there isn't this, you know, Saturday night massacre or this big thing, right? This like two week long Watergate report from the Washington post or like whatever, right? Like it's just this like, Oh, this guy who was a Trump guy got indicted though. This guy got sentenced. Oh, this guy got sentenced again. Mm -hmm. Oh. And it's like, it's just, it just sort of gets lost in, in all of it. So, well, that was the ironic part. And and I want to kind of wrap this up because I feel like we're rambling. Well, we're rambling, but at least we're not doing what cable news did all last night and, and spend hours and hours and hours playing. Guess what's in the report and what it means when they have no fucking idea what's in the report. Right. God, I can't with the speculation. Just stop. But let's just say this. It it would appear that the all our biggest fears was that Trump was going to do a Saturday night massacre. And his closest advisors and his people and his lawyers just desperately held him back, you know, from doing that. And I'm sure he wanted to do that every single day. And that actually would have worked out way worse for him probably had he done that. And, you know, but whatever. We'll see. Like, there's so much we don't know still. Yeah. And we don't know what's in the report. We don't know what it says. And and it's unclear if we're going to know everything that's in the report and how it's going to be doled out and how long that's going to take. So we're going to shut up about it right now and move on to something more fun. Okay. Uh, Devin Nunes (laughs) is suing Twitter. This is my favorite thing that's ever happened. And more specifically, people on Twitter who make fun of him. And well, I'm he's not only suing Twitter. He's not suing specific individuals. No, no, he, I thought he was. No, he's suing Twitter for not stopping those people from being uh, mean. Okay, okay. I thought I thought he was specifically suing like whoever is in charge no, of the cow. No, but he did specifically point those people out in the lawsuit. Okay, okay. So Devin Nunes is suing Twitter for $250 million uh-huh. for not preventing people <laughs> from making fun of him. from being mean <laughs> from hurting his fifis oh. which are very sensitive man fifis man fifis white man fifis well ish um enough um because according to twitter's this is what the lawsuit says according to twitter's um uh, terms of service or whatever that thing is uh people are not supposed to mis- misrepresent themselves on Twitter, that's not supposed to be allowed. <laughs> and so... So you're saying that's not Devin Nunes' actual cow? So when someone creates an account that says Devin Nunes' cow Devin and Nunes Devin Nunes' mom. mom, 
they are misrepresenting themselves and the fact that Twitter hasn't shut them down and they're being very mean to him. They're saying very mean things. It's making him feel very bad about himself. Yes. It's, it's hurting it's his feelings very much. It's impeding his ability to do his job as yes. a congressman. Yes. Because wow. it's making him look bad and it's making him feel very bad. And Twitter's not stopping it. <laughs> and Twitter says that you're not supposed to be able to be somebody that you're not on Twitter. And because they're letting it happen, it's very unfair. It's hurting his feelings and he's suing them for $250 million. Okay. So, but see, I thought there was a, okay, that makes more sense because I thought there was a defamation element. There is. Okay. Well, who's defaming him? His cow. So then they are part of the lawsuit. But he's not suing them. He's suing Twitter uh, because of the cow. But here's the thing, Rach. In a de- I mean, you know more about the law than I do, but in a defamation lawsuit, if I say Rachel, Rachel is a weenie and you sue me for defamation and it goes to court, like I have to prove you're a weenie. Yes. You have so, to prove that. Well, it's more than that. <laughs> you have to prove that you're not a weenie. Right. You have to prove that you're not a weenie and you have to prove that me saying that you're a weenie caused you material harm, meaning yeah. you lost a job because I said you were a weenie or you and a, you are in you fact a, not one. Now, if you are, a we- this is the thing. If you are in fact a weenie and I call you a weenie. Yeah, it's fine. I just said the truth. You're a fucking weenie. Now you have to prove that though. Now we reversed it. I said, if I called you a weenie, but you're saying I sue you for calling me a weenie. Right. You have to prove that you're not a weenie first. And then you have to prove that if you're not a weenie, me saying that you're a weenie caused you material harm. Sure. But if he's suing Twitter for being mean, but he's, but he's also has a defamation angle. I don't, then so, the, the cow can be called as a witness. I don't know. I, I have to look more into it. The, the, the cow can be subpoenaed. No, I mean, I, I think that he, I don't know if there's a defamation angle to it. I think he's not doing that. I think he's just saying that, um, we sh- I should look this up and we can get to it <laughs> in greater detail in the second half. But we should just talk about like what's happened on Twitter since then. Because anyway, so he's suing Twitter for $250 million. I would like to cite mm-hmm. some precedent here. <laughs> okay. Um, so <laughs> the thing that maybe he doesn't know, I would imagine, um, is that he's a public figure. And so public <laughs> figures. He knows that. Uh, well, hold on. I'm not saying he doesn't know he's a public figure. I'm saying what I'm about to say, he might not know. Okay. So the way that like libel and slander laws and defamation laws sort of work is that, you know, if my mom said, like went to the Washington Post and said that like my little brother was like, you know, I don't know, a space alien or something. And like it turned into something like those are two private citizens. Mm hmm. And so that's different than when you deal with public figures. Public figures are, according to precedent, um, subject to different versions of libel, slander, and defamation than private individuals. Yes. Part of the First Amendment means we can criticize public figures. Yes. And satire specifically has been codified into law by precedent set by the People versus Larry Flint. Now, there's a movie about this, which is one of my very favorite films of all time. Courtney Love should have won an Oscar for her role as Althea Flint, um, which details the case of, well, the movie details a lot of things, but the case was that um, Hustler Magazine, which was run by Larry Flint, uh, in one of its magazines, uh, posted a satire, a satirical ad 
making fun of Jerry Falwell. This is back in the 80s. Maybe early 90s. Um, making fun of Jerry Falwell and asserting that he got drunk and fucked his sister in a barn. I thought it was his mother. Uh, maybe it was his mom. It was, it was a mother. Campari ad, which is a type of liquor. He's also famously like doesn't drink. Um, <laughs> it was like fucking his mom while drinking Campari in a barn. Yeah. And it's a, just like a funny ad joke for Campari. It wasn't an actual ad. It wasn't paid for by the liquor company. It's just a basically like a cartoon made to look like an ad posted in pub, uh Hustler Magazine and Jerry Falwell got very very mad about this and sued him and won again and again and again all the way up to the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court took the case and uh, Edward Norton plays his attorney in the movie and he's tremendous it's a great movie watch it Woody Harrelson as Larry Flint is like just it's the one of the best movies ever but anyway Supreme Court comes back and says um, unequivocally that if you are a public figure um, people are allowed to satirize you. People well, are allowed to make fun of you in public. People are allowed to say horrible, nasty, vile things, including I fucked your mom. And the court, like, what didn't, doesn't like Larry Flint. Like, they're not, like, fans of him. They are not like, this is good and he should have said this. It's that he's allowed to say it because he's making fun. First the, Amendment. Well, so the, the, the legal precedent is a reasonable person couldn't possibly believe that what they were saying that they were purporting to be fact. Right. Right. Like we're not saying nobody reading that would be like, Oh my God, Jerry <laughs> Falwell was drinking and fucking his mom in a fucking barn. No one would believe that yeah. that's what it was actually saying in the same way as no one believes that Devin Nunes has a cow who is critical of him <laughs> and has a Twitter account. <laughs> A reasonable person would not assume that Devin Nunes has a cow with a Twitter account who can speak and type things. Or that his mom talks shit about him on Twitter. Or that his actual mom is talking shit about him on Twitter. Although, I don't know. Now with Kellyanne and George Conway, I guess anything's up for grabs. But a reasonable person does not assume that that's true. Does not look at that and say, oh my God, his mom hates him and he has a cow who has Twitter. (laughs) Like, that's not a reasonable person would not assume that. Therefore, any, any sort of like, if... Right? Like, that's that's the legal standard yeah. set by some porno people. Um, no, and, and the, no judge is going to take it up, but if, if they did, I would love to see the discovery. Well, it's really interesting in the age of social media, right? Like, yeah. <clears throat> I don't see it as that different from Hustler Magazine, really. No, it's just I mean, the, the legal standard is the medium. same. Yeah. It's just a wider audience. Mm-hmm. Um I don't think he was materially harmed by it. I don't think that, that he like lost a job. Well, he'll hopefully he'll be losing his job soon. But not because of the cow. <laughs> well, that's the thing. It would be smarter if he did the lawsuit after he lost, right? Well, he'd have to, sh- the, yeah, then he could show actual harm. I don't know if it's the cow. Well, he would or have like, to prove it was know. because of people making fun of him on Twitter. Right. That's why he lost. And then it wouldn't be Twitter's fault even no, then. No, no. So anyway, it's, it's ridiculous. But the fun part about this is that his cow... Since the lawsuit has more followers and has him. more followers than him by yeah. like a couple hundred thousand. Yeah. Last I checked, he had like 375,000 followers and his cow had like 525,000 followers. Sounds good. Um, and you were telling me about the Barbara Streisand effect. Yes. Well, and uh, that's going to segue in nicely to Barbara Streisand, but go ahead. Babs. Uh, I was not too long ago, a couple years ago, maybe. Uh, somebody flew a drone, I think, over Barbara Streisand's property and then posted it somewhere and said, hey, look, this is Barbara Streisand. I think Streisand's. it was Google Maps, right? Was it Google Maps? I think it was. Anyway, 
some entity or somebody uh, drone flew a drone over Barbara Streisand's estate in, I guess, California, and said, hey, look, this is... Or somebody identified it on the internet and said, hey, look at Barbara Streisand's house. Now, there's nothing crazy about it. Like, Babs wasn't, like, sunbathing nude or anything. <laughs> it was just like, it's her house. Okay, whatever. Uh, Babs really didn't like that. Didn't didn't want people to know it was her house. And, you know, what for whatever reason, you can say that's fine, it's not fine. But so she went, went to great legal lengths to try to um, get them to take it down. Uh, get, get, right. She get sued them. She's like, you can't have internet. my house on the internet. Well, she also wanted it scrubbed from the internet somehow. Right. And in doing so... Because the photos were evidence, it sort of exploded to be all over the internet. And now, like, the story that no one, like, very few people would have known or cared that you could find Barbara Streisand's, like, house on Google Maps if you knew her address or whatever. And now the whole country knows it because because of her. Right. Had she never said anything, nobody would have been like, I wonder if Barbara Streisand's house is on the internet. Like, maybe, like, <laughs> then, two people would have done that. Yeah. And then she sued and made a big deal about it. And everyone's like, oh, I guess I get to know where Barbara Streisand's house is now. Right. Because she made a big fucking deal about it, which is exactly what Devin Nunes did. The cow had, like, a couple thousand followers and now has, like... A half a million followers. Right. So the point is, these these um, satirical, these parody accounts that are making fun of him, that he's very, very upset that there's all these people making fun of him, now that he's sued about it, now, like, exponentially more people know about these accounts and are following them. <laughs> Oops. Right. Oops. So, the thing that you're uh, really mad about that's making fun of you, everyone is now following. No, but see, I'm, I'm more cynical, and I don't think there's any of that really comes into play. I think this is a very stupid, lame, transparent attempt at fundraising, um, you know, and like, oh, I need for my legal defense and my my re-election campaign. It's not campaign. legal defense. You're the litigator. Well, you're whatever, whatever you're going to call it. Ugh. Anyway, I want to talk about Barbara Streisand being garbage. <laughs> okay, be my guest. So... Finding Neverland, or what is it called? Leaving Neverland. Which we still haven't seen. Still haven't seen. It's a documentary. Um, apparently, really graphically and very compellingly detailing the abuses um, of two of Michael Jackson's abusers, uh, abusees, sorry. Yeah, on the two subject of, the- of stuff everybody knew, but we couldn't accept it until it was sort of explained to us and proven to us. Like, there's another example. I believed them back in the day. Yeah, I think everybody believed that that was true. We just couldn't face it. I guess Me sure. Too maybe helped. Anyway, so this, this documentary came out and it was very explosive and very compelling and everyone's sort of like, fuck, Michael Jackson's garbage, which we, I guess I fucking thought everybody already thought. But anyway, then he died and he sort of got like this weird idolatry thing happening and um, that's over. So Barbara Streisand came out and uh, was talking to the Times in advance of some performances she was going to do in the UK this summer. And they asked her about this documentary because she was close to Michael Jackson. And she said she absolutely believed Wade Robson and James Safechuck. And then she said some really fucking horrifying things after that. Quote, you can say, quote, molested those children as you heard They were thrilled to be at Jackson's Neverland Ranch. They both married and they both had children, so it didn't kill them. Continuing, I feel a combination of feelings. I feel bad for the children. I feel bad for him. I blame, I guess, the parents who would allow their children to sleep with him. His sexual needs were his sexual needs. 
coming from whatever childhood he has or whatever DNA he has. When I met him, he was very sweet and very childlike. The person who was interviewing her then said, did you really say that? (laughs) Like, bitch, what? His sexual needs were his sexual needs. Is pedophilia tolerated in parts of the entertainment industry? That's a fair question. To which there was no response, apparently. Uh, Unfortunately, the answer to that is yes. And we learned that. But that is. Go ahead. Can we just get to what this is? I mean, what the fuck? Well, again, this is why when when any, when any shit happens in Hollywood and Republicans or conservatives get real excited and then yell at me, ah, see you. I'm like, no, these are not my people. Right. But I, that's not I don't care about that. I mean, I agree with you. Like, I. I, I <laughs> but hold on, because you know what? The reporter, and I don't know if the reporter was from Fox News or whatever, but the reporter has. A very legitimate point in asking that question because again I'm going to bring the story up again where I was the moment I was completely fucking done with Hollywood forever was when Roman Polanski when his statute of limitations ran out Mm -hmm. and he could come back to the US Mm -hmm. for uh, drugging and raping a 13 year old girl which he did in the 70s and he finally came back oh in the 2000s at some point and he came to the fucking Oscars and they gave him like a 10 minute standing ovation no they gave him a lifetime achievement award I think yeah. And that's when they gave him the ovation. Right. Yeah. No, I know. I know. And, and I and know I how you feel about this. literally turned the TV off and have never turned it back on for the Oscar since, and I never fucking will. Right. I, I know. I know. And. I know. <laughs> but the point of this is, like... <sighs> There's there's a million tentacles. They were thrilled to be there. His sexual needs were his sexual needs, and like they were fine, and they like they have married and have kids. So what's the problem? Is a sentence that she said out loud to a reporter. Yeah, it's like overheard in a bakery. This This is is to a reporter out loud in advance of a tour she's having. Great. That she's that this is this is how pervasive it is in Hollywood. That's or, or, how bad it or is. Or among the elite, right? Because we see this with, because this is not some gross conservative man that's saying it's okay to date and marry 14 year olds like the Roy Moore thing, right? This is a woman, a Jewish woman, um, who is supposedly very liberal, um, you know, whatever you want to say about her politics, but here's her saying, well, it's okay for a celebrity to use kids as sexual objects. It's really just fine. Mm-hmm. And they turned out okay. Yeah, like, like, I, well, I don't he even... was Michael Jackson and they got to go to Neverland. So who cares? <laughs> like, that's the, the degree of like audacity, right? That they have, that she has, that they all have. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I think it might've been different had these been like famous kids, which also famous kids were abused. Well, I want to talk about the Corys. Yeah. Right. Corey Feldman and Corey Haim, um, have been saying for decades that there is a massive pedophilia operation happening in Hollywood amongst the most powerful people in Hollywood, and they've been trying to expose it for a very long time. One of them died, Corey Haim. Corey Haim right? died. Um, Corey Feldman the prob- is also like Looney Tunes, and I yeah, get it, he's, he's and like nuts. whatever, but like it's, fucking so Christ, that doesn't make what he's saying not true. Yeah, it doesn't, and I don't doubt for a minute and we that hate he to was sound sexually like abused as a kid. QAnon territory here because it's like it sounds a little bit like that, but that's not what we're saying. We're not saying there's like a a worldwide pedophilia ring. We're saying that kids in the Hollywood system there may be. 
But I'm saying that. Well, it's not led by Hillary Clinton and Eric Holder. Certainly not. Probably. And I, I don't know anything about it. And I'm not saying and that. And they're I'm not child sex slaves have, on Mars. I have no doubt that Corey Feldman and Corey Haim were sexually abused as children, as child actors in Hollywood. Um, and that a lot of other kids that they knew probably were and probably by a lot of like the same like executives. And, you know, you got a taste for kids. That's a thing. Yeah. And pe- I mean, we look at what just happened with the um, the Trump guy with the Epstein. Um, yeah. No. Well, that right. Um, plus the uh, the trafficked Chinese women in the massage parlors. Oh, at Bob Craft. Um, we haven't even really gotten and to like, that yet. That's still unraveling. That's like there's like seven executives of like major banks and shit that are wrapped up in that. I mean, I don't. Think I don't it's know that those those women are necessarily underage, but they are being the women that are being trafficked right, from China. Right. Right. I think it's that's an important true. distinction. It is an important distinction. That's true. Um, but I don't think it's unreasonable to assume that like. There's a lot of kids that are abused in Hollywood. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. And in the music industry. And, and right, right. Um, yeah, and, certainly. Like, I was... And, and her, I mean, I think as evidenced by her comment of just like, whatever, they liked being at Neverland Ranch and his sexual needs were his sexual needs and they turned out fine. Like, that is literally the I most mean, I, laissez-faire answer to well, well, hold on. Just this to, horrific allegation to give you a personal of graphic sexual abuse that I've ever heard personal bent on it. I've been in the music business and industry a long time. And, mm-hmm. you know, recently I was mentoring and working with a young up and coming, uh, female singer songwriter. Yes. And I sat down with her yes. parents and I just warned them. I was like, look, just, just watch out and don't trust men in this business. And like, Oh yeah, no, no, we know. I'm like, no, no, no. Listen to me. Don't trust men in this business just don't especially ones that come in and groom you along with her because that's exactly what they allege in this uh, documentary of is course that of course they make the parents trust them they make the parents believe that they just have the best interest of their child mm-hmm. they're going to make them famous uh it takes you know months and sometimes years and then you learn to trust this person and then you learn to like Sure, you can go out to ice cream, and then it's sure you can stay overnight, and yeah, then it's sure you can have a away week for vacation, a long weekend, and sure yeah. we'll go on tour together, and you guys don't need to be there, and that's where like, you know, systemic sexual abuse happens. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm that's something that anybody who has a kid who's musically talented should know. And I'm really glad you told her parents, and I hope they took it to heart. I'm sure they did. They're 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 very smart. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Um, we are going to take a quick break. Uh, when we come back, uh, what was it we were going to talk about? We're going to talk about, we're going to rant about Bernie. <laughs> Probably just talk about how much we hate Bernie. I'll give you some updates on the 2020 Dem field and some other crap. So don't go anywhere. I'll be right back.
Hello and welcome back to River Testimony Vacation uh, Edition. We should have it like, remember when MTV did their spring break live shows? <laughs> and there'd be like people dancing on Daytona Beach, dancing. Yeah, there's no beach. Well, there's mountains. You could show like, there's a climbing wall near us. Show people like climbing a wall or... Walking in boots. It's too cold. Nobody's climbing now. Walking in boots on a path for reasons that escape me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the thing you like to do. Hiking. Uh, I do. I, I'm not the, like the crazy 14er type and I don't wake up at five in the morning to go <laughs> and hike all day and then, you know. Right. But I do like to take the dogs out to the foothills. That's right. That's very low on the... The gradient scale of Colorado outdoorsy. <laughs> You're outdoorsy though, more I mean, than I am. Like, sure. you know, when when I was working in an office, my 60 year old coworkers would do 14ers and shit. So, yeah, I mean, I know. think Roger's probably doing a 14er this weekend. I'm sure he is. <laughs> anyway, that's her old 85 year old boss uh-huh. who is chasing bears out of his yard. And mm-hmm. Anywho, um. No, we're not doing 14ers. After this, we're going to go in the hot tub. Yes. And then we're going to eat. We're going to take a nap <laughs> first. A nap. We're going to have dinner. And then and then we're going to have another hot tub. And we're going to have another nap. <laughs> Maybe like watch some TV and be in bed by Yeah. Time. We'll watch we're, Forensics Files. We are very old. Or Law, Law and Order SVU <laughs> and shake our heads at the shit prosecutors get away with when they're even the good guys. The, no, that, that yeah, that's the whole thing. The prosecutors and the police are... On a team, in side cahoots. by side, All working the, the case no, together. It, it's, it's fine because they're just trying to get the bad guys. Just trying to get the bad guys and those goddamn and sleazy defense guilty. attorneys just saying like <laughs> the law matters and stuff. It's terrible. And that their, their clients have rights. Mm, How terrible. How dare they? Sleazy assholes trying to let rapists be on the streets. Yet... That shows a guilty pleasure for us. Me, mostly. You, mostly. But I like the, the, <laughs> the mystery aspect of it. And I do like that they highlight why women don't come forward. To, right. They like, do they a do, good job about the victims, yes, for sure. Yes. They, they yeah. highlight some good stuff, but oh God, is it awful. While, oh. while dictating things that actually happen that absolutely should not happen, and they're portrayed as being good. Yeah. Like the DA, like barging into to prisons to cajole people under arrest without their lawyers to yeah. take plea deals yeah. like oh my god no Nobody stop you can do that please stop <laughs> but they Fuck. do that's the point i know they do in it's real not life un- it's actually not untrue no um, it's watching just, svu or any a law and order is sort of like yeah that's actually what happened and it's pre- but it's presented as oh this is fine <laughs> right and you should you should these are the good guys these are the protagonists doing these things that mm-hmm. you should be rooting for yeah and the defense attorneys are almost always the bad guys they're like sleazy you know yeah. No, it's the worst. But, you know, it's fun to watch, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I struggle with and it these I, days. And IA is always the bad guys, too. When, when oh, one of, of the course, characters. Oh, of course. Yeah, they're the worst. You know, because they might. Beats up a perp. T <laughs> just punched a guy in the head, and it's like, goddamn, IA's coming down on us. That guy needed to be punched in the head. And you're like, no, you can't punch people in the head. You're a cop. No, funnily, Ice T is, is usually the most by the book in that show. It's, oh, it's good. the two white people, uh, Stabler and. And, uh, uh, Mariska Haggerty, her, her character, that it, are so always fucking the law and the rules. And like, he's pretty much like by the book. So God, 
Yeah. The show is awful. But I mean, I get it, right? It's awful and I really enjoy it. I, it's one of those things. Yeah, I get it. No, I get it. Anyway, we're trying to distract ourselves and just talk about whatever. <sighs> oh, Bob Kraft had a statement. Um, Remind everybody who Bob Kraft is. The right? owner of the New England Patriots who just got busted a week or two ago at the Jupiter, Florida, which is close to Palm Beach, uh, massage parlor where there was sex trafficking. Yes. Chinese women, women being sex trafficked yeah. through massage parlors so, by saying that you can come over here um, and then when they get here, uh, they're supposed to have work and then they're going to like pay off the whatever amount was yeah. Right. And then they actually just get like sex trafficked. Yeah. And they're basically slaves. Horrifying. They have like a hot pot and like a cot that they sleep on and they are drugged and it's horrifying. Yeah. It, yeah. It's a nightmare. And in any event, Bob Kraft got busted and he made the statement that was like, you know, I'm sorry, I take responsibility and I want to earn back the respect of, of, of NFL fans and the public at large. And I want everybody to know that I have great respect for women. Go fuck yourself. Well, first of all, this guy is like best buds with Donald Trump. Right. So way before you got busted um, paying for sex with trafficked women, like we knew you didn't have any respect for women. So don't even try that. Nope. And as for respect to the fans, you're the owner of the New England Patriots. So that's out the window, too. I mean, I don't want to talk shit about Pat's fans. Some of my favorite people are Pat's fans. But yeah. um, fine. But I would like to also really, since we haven't really talked about this scandal at all, um, delineate between sex workers and trafficking victims yes. yet again. Yes. This is a thing that there's we a, have to talk there's about. There's a big, big difference. Ofs. And when we talked about SESTA-FOSTA back in the day, about this awful garbage bill that was passed um, in order to prevent trafficking, um, which it did not do but uh, largely helped to shut down the safety of um, sex workers. Um, the difference between trafficking and sex work. Um, I'm pro-sex work. I think mm -hmm. people who choose to be sex workers um, should be protected, uh, that their line of work should be legal, um, that the people who choose to go to sex workers should not be arrested, but particularly the people who um, are sex workers should not be arrested or charged, that it should be completely legalized and above the board um, on all counts. Mm -hmm. And the reason for that is because I think that it protects sex workers. Yes. And if you look at um, internationally how that has happened, um, there's yeah. a lot of um, European countries, Western that, European, yeah, countries. Western European countries who have decriminalized sex work and, in some cases, legalized it, um, and it's been great, <laughs> right? Um, when sex workers are assaulted, or raped, or drugged, or kidnapped or any other thing that could happen to any woman, um, they're able to call law enforcement and they're able to, um, the Johns that see them know that that's a possibility. And so it's mm -hmm. not as enticing of an opportunity as it is in places where sex work is criminalized. Yeah. Um, and sex workers can talk openly amongst themselves about people that are safe to see and people that are not safe to see. Right. Um, they have online forums and places where they can go and say, Hey, this guy's really problematic. This guy's really great. Um, when it is criminalized in the way that it is in the States, uh, it really puts women's, 
and just sex workers in general, um, their lives at stake in a way that is, is really harmful. Mm. Trafficked people are a thing that I think we should talk about. I think we should be honest about, I think we should look into, um, but the two are not equivalent. Well, let's talk about why it's a complicated subject. As you know, uh, there are feminist leaders, some very prominent feminist leaders who say all sex work is, is being trafficked essentially. Yes. And that, that complicates things. Right. Um, and I, and and I can understand their point of view. I don't happen to agree with it. It's, this is one of those, uh, inside baseball, inside feminism Mm -hmm. things we can talk about sort of like, um, turfs, right. Yeah. Uh, trans hating radical feminists who should not ever be able to be called feminists. Um, it's one of those things. And so the feminist community has been divided for years. Um, Nadine Strassen and uh, Catherine, um, you'll remind me of her name. Manheim. Uh, <laughs> two feminist authors uh, and, and theorists and, and leaders have been fighting about this for decades. Yeah. Um, whether porn is essentially anti-feminist oh, or yeah, should be illegal. That's still a raging one. It is. Um, and it's the same line of thought of whether sex work uh, should be legal or is it all rape? Can I talk about porn for a second? Yeah. Because I'm old enough uh, to remember when porn was finding your parents' VCR stash or mm-hmm. magazine stash. Or I was a babysitter, so I'd sure. find my people I was babysitting and watch sure. their porn. Sure, sure. Right. But... <laughs> You learn a lot about people, but the the point was like it was a thing, and 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 certainly, women and girls, their attitude of porn was like, gross, no way, and and in the early days of the internet, hold on, in the early days of the internet, I'm generally, I I, I I'm generally disagree with speaking, you on that, but. Well, okay, but it, yeah, but outwardly, you, like we don't admit that. that shit. That's what I mean, right? No, girls didn't ever admit to no. watching porn or looking or, at their or stash or masturbating or anything. But right? now I'm hard pressed to meet a woman who is not very open about the kind of porn they watch and you know the kind right. of porn they like and don't like, and and that is a radical shift from the last 15, 20 years. Yes, but I think that's because there's been a radical shift in what porn looks like. That's part of it, yes. Because Although a lot of women I know like the the most horrible kinds of friggin' porn that I, I think is. I think is that out you're there. making a value judgment about things that you shouldn't be making a value judgment about. Okay, fair. Um, I think that porn is really different than it was back when we were kids. But when we were kids, it was Playboy and Hustler and like a couple of porn companies in L.A. That had like Jenna Jameson and Stormy Daniels and, you know, like big titted blonde ladies and, yeah. you know, big Proto- dick, prototypes. well, just white yeah. people. And then like, you know, they had some like interracial stuff, which was really problematic. And then like, you know, right. like that was what porn was. And now everybody has a porn studio in their pocket. Oh, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So you can produce porn um, from your cell phone. And at a moment's notice. Yeah. And everybody can do it. And yeah. everybody is doing it. <laughs> yeah. And um, it's changed the nature, I think, of people's relationship to pornography and their relationship to sex in part, I think. Um, and I think that that's part of why uh, I think women have taken a stronger ownership role in their own bodies in terms of porn because of that. So like the cam girl phenomenon. Uh-huh. 
took a lot of power out of porn studios. Oh yes. And a lot of power out of the the gross men that you had to the, the gatekeepers sort of. They're of trying being to re- they're trying to reclaim it now. They're trying to monopolize and reclaim it now. Of, well, of course, they want their money back, yeah. right? But a lot of, I mean, it took a lot of the gatekeeping out of porn. And so it was like, look, I can get a camera for a hundred bucks and set it up, shoot set up an pictures online of me like squishing my feet and jam. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And make a hundred bucks a day. Yeah. Right? And like that was unheard of before. That was like super niche Craigslist or before that, like, you know, want ads and like, Mm -hmm. you know, it was very niche stuff. And now um, all kinds of sex workers have been able to sort of like just find their niche and make their own money. And the porn studios are real mad about it because they used to be a multi-billion dollar industry and they're just shrinking and shrinking and shrinking. And so I think that sort of reclaiming that for a lot of um, women and a lot of marginalized people... um, has been a part of like the internet revolution and I'm mm-hmm. really happy about that. Um anyway, getting back to sex work, uh that's sex work also. Um you're allowed to be a sex worker. I think George Carlin said, right, way back in the day. Mm-hmm. You can have sex, that's legal. Mm-hmm. And you can pay people for stuff, that's legal. Mm-hmm. But you can't pay people for sex. Right. Why? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That was that wasn't exactly no. How he that's put not it, the quote. But, but like that's, that's the, the idea, gist of it, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's the idea of it. Mm-hmm. And that's always been a thing for me that I don't understand. And I think it's really about um, the same reason that like pro-lifers are pro-lifers, mm-hmm. right? They don't care about kids. Obviously, <laughs> education is massively underfunded, and like there's no like health care. That's another George Carlin thing. No Head Start. No health care. No prenatal. No right. Snap, no food stamps, blah, blah, blah. blah. They don't care about kids, right? It's not about kids. So what is it about? It's about controlling your body. It's about controlling women's sexuality. Yeah. Ultimately. And sex work is the ultimate right of that because sex workers have power. Yeah. Over men. Economic power and power over their own sexuality. And power over men because men pay them. Yes. And when men pay you for sex, the woman has the power. Right. Or the gay person or the trans person. Mm-hmm. Or whomever the sex worker might be, whomever this marginalized person might be, has the power over this straight white dude. The men may think they have the power, feel like they have the power because they're commoditizing a woman. They in are. That sense. But they are also paying for this service mm-hmm. and they want to be able to do that. Right. Because they want to be able to have sex with the sex worker. Right. But they also want to then go back and be like, but really, oh, I have the power because I'm going to criminalize it. And I'm going <laughs> right. to criminalize it in a right. way that you get arrested and not me. Yes. And that is how the prosecution of sex work has been done for decades. Sometimes. Sometimes they go after the Johns, too. Sometimes. With the largely stings not especially the stings but largely the sex workers are the people who yes. have the larger longer sentences right. um larger cases of uh, of being charged a lot of times the johns are put into like uh you know programs where like you have to go to like this class mm-hmm. and nobody will tell your mom or your wife right <laughs> or your mom um yeah. right uh, and then the sex workers are like thrown in jail for 3 years right yeah. Um, so sex work, I think should be legal. I also think that 
when we're talking about sex work versus, versus trafficking, uh, it gets really fuzzy because there are some young women who get pimped out, as we used to say. I don't know what the word is for it now, but basically trafficked. Yeah. Um, by men, these are vulnerable women who come from, uh, you know, hard lives who find this boyfriend, let's say. And that's how it starts, right? Mm-hmm. Find a boyfriend and he's really nice. And then eventually they groom these young women into becoming sex workers and it is against their will. And then the the pimp takes all of their money. Um, and then it's basically just rape. Yeah. It's just rape. Um, rape for profit for someone else. And that is a problem. And that is part of the complicated nature of what legal sex work is because a lot of these women would argue that it's consensual because of the emotional abuse that they've endured that has convinced them that this is a thing that they're doing because of love. Right. And so it's a nuanced and complicated subject that I don't think that we should just pass laws (laughs) sort of being like, all of these things are illegal because they're all the same because they're not. Because then we also have, you know, like, the sort of classic trafficking situation where it's like young girls are being um, kidnapped and sold for sex mm-hmm. in houses where they're being you know restrained 24 hours a day. Um, women being brought in from different countries and and sort of like um, slave rape until they can pay off the thing which they never pay off. Um, there's a lot of different components to sex work, but. I also think that we have to recognize that like there are legitimately people who choose to engage in sex work of their own volition for money and those people should not go to jail. I agree. But it's complicated and nuanced. And if any of you out there are sex workers um, or or no sex workers or want to come talk to us about this, I would love that. I know a couple and they have politely declined. <laughs> to come on the podcast for obvious reasons. Um, but if anybody wants to have a conversation about this, please hit us up and we're happy to do that. So we're not just pontificating out of the ether. While on the subject of being stopped, um, let's talk about Bernie Sanders. Do we have to talk about Bernie Sanders? Well, I'll do most of the talking. We it's do. usually Rachel no. ranting about Bernie Sanders. And now I want to rant a little bit. So. Yes. There's been a lot of controversy uh, the last couple of days because Bernie has basically announced his campaign team and a lot of the social media and PR arm of his campaign, uh, because remember a couple of weeks ago he was, or maybe a month ago, he was saying, okay, this campaign is going to be different. I want to heal the wounds and I want to bring people together and I'm on board. I'm part of the team. Go Dems. I'm not going to blah. Yeah. And, and, and a lot of us were kind of at a skeptical eye and we're like, okay, let's see what he, he means. Running as a Democrat. Right. And forget all that. He <laughs> it's scorched earth. Literally like. He said that and then did the exact opposite. And then the exact opposite. So let's talk about some of the people he has named to his staff. Uh, if if you are on Twitter or online a lot, you've probably seen the name David Sirota come up a lot. 
Um, David Sirota has a Colorado connection. You want to talk about that a little bit? I do. David Sirota is married to Emily Sirota, mm-hmm. who is the Colorado State Representative out of District 9, which is in the middle of downtown Denver, just a couple blocks away from where we live. Um, she uh, unseated Paul Rosenthal, who was involved in a um, Me Too sort of sex scandal where he groped a kid. Uh, not a kid. He was not underage, but um, allegedly... Um, Groped a young groped man a young man at a political campaign before he was in office, um, and rightly was unseated. There was a primary between Emily Sirota, Ashley Wheland, who used to work for Planned Parenthood and is a buddy of mine. Um, and as is Rosenthal, if we're gonna Rosie, be honest, yeah, Rosie <laughs> also, um, and Paul Rosenthal and Emily Sirota won in part because Bernie Sanders' campaign or Bernie Sanders himself rather um, endorsed her mm-hmm. and uh, she is a social worker and a progressive and I mean between her and Ashley Wheland um, there was very little sunlight on their platform but I think Bernie's uh, you know sort of endorsement of her Probably pushed her over her. the edge mm-hmm. and she won and I think um, I don't have a lot of criticisms of em- Emily Sirota I think she's doing good work and I think she's progressive and I think she is um um, doing good work as as yeah, a state she, rep, she's, she's fine. I'm not going to. She's doing great work. I'm not get mad at her. I'm not her going husband. to, um, yeah, lump her in with who she's married to. But I do know that like that it part of why she won the primary and eventually the election is because of her husband. Well, let's talk about Sirota, right? But let's talk about David. her husband, David. Yes. So going back really almost a year now. David Sirota has consistently been trashing every Democrat, except for Bernie Sanders, who has talked about throwing their hat in the ring or has thrown their hat in the ring, has trashed the party more or less, still trashes Hillary Clinton. He's just like a bomb thrower. Yeah. He just, just, just. Whoever it is, it's Kamala not like, Harris, Beto. Oh, I have this really specific Beto policy Booker. problem with this person and I'm going to point it out. It's like, fuck them. They're this awful garbage. Yes. Blah, right. Like, it's not like. A nuanced policy position, or, or even anything of substance. And literally, it's really just every like bomb other throwing. Democrat, except for Bernie Sanders, every other one is the target of this. Well, the problem with that is he had he had represented himself all this time, saying I'm not involved in any campaign, I'm not on any payroll, I am just a journalist giving my, you know, my independent, un unbiased opinion on things, and and. Then it turns out that, okay, well, now he's working. Is he the chief comms guy for Bernie's campaign? A speechwriter. Huh? Speechwriter. Speechwriter. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he's he's going to go work for Bernie. And it seems as though maybe he it's was... It's a weird transition. And the yeah. Atlantic made a bunch of fuss about it and said... He maintained himself to be this, but he was secretly working for the Bernie campaign. That is not true. However... So just to be fair, like that's not true. He wasn't working for the Bernie campaign prior to January of 2019. Mm-hmm. And not in an official capacity, let's right. put it that way. Or even an informal capacity, apparently. But I feel like all of this bomb throwing and shit slinging was just like a resume building activity for him. Yeah, yeah. So that he could get the job eventually, which he then did. It was, it was, and now it was Machiavelli's the prince. Yes. Yeah. And now he is the speechwriter for Bernie Sanders. And so the Atlantic got it wrong. That's fair. Um, and he also has been doing all of this to get the job that he now has. Now, he's not the only one, right? Uh, I forget no. some of the names, but 
there's basically this cast of characters that Bernie's announced all mostly this week or last week that have all been in the camp of like um, the Russia investigation is a waste of time and it's an excuse by the Hillary people for why she lost. And Hillary really was the one colluding with Russia. You should vote for Jill Stein. Mm-hmm. Like all mm-hmm. of this insane shit. And Bernie hired all these people. Yeah. These are his new um, senior campaign advisors, speechwriters, um, communications directors. Everyone he's <laughs> hired is someone who absolutely does not want to unify the party, absolutely does not want to heal past wounds, absolutely wants to burn the fucking Democratic Party down if he does not win. And even if he does win, or if fuck he it does anyway. win, I guess right? it seems like. Like, here's the thing, right? Like, the Sirota story to me is not the drama between when did he officially start working for Bernie and he called himself impartial. Like, that's not really important. What's important, at least not to me, in the inside baseball journalism world, it's very important. But to me, what's very important is the fact that doing all this got him a job with Bernie's 2020 campaign. So what does that tell you? That tells you that is going to be scorched earth. And if you thought 2016 was ugly and, oh, we can't ever repeat of that, we need to move past it. And like, it doesn't seem to matter. It's like people say, well, there's no Hillary Clinton to be the foil. Well, it's going to be somebody. Now, that's, of course, assuming Bernie's one of the last men standing. Interesting thing, like, that's absolutely true. And the other interesting thing, like, first of all, who he is hiring tells you everything you need to know about what his campaign's going to look like. Mm-hmm. And second of all, who those people have been attacking tells you everything about what his campaign's going to look like. <laughs> and those people are specifically Beto. Because mm-hmm. Beto is his biggest. Yeah, they, right. Like they've been going after they him. They don't the like him at all. Which is interesting because he's much more of a centrist than Bernie. He's just also a white guy. Well, which tells you again everything. You need to know yeah. about Bernie Sanders' campaign. Yeah, He wants to go after Beto because Beto is a white guy. And he's a young white guy. Mm-hmm. He's not even that progressive, really. Um, he's but pre- he's, he's a young white guy. Remember, he came out of Texas. Exactly. He came out of Texas, so not that progressive. Um, he's not... Beto's, I think he's going to be pretty damn progressive. Well, right now his platform has nothing to do with Bernie's. There's no, no universal health care and college for everybody. Right. And they're not competing for the same pre-K space. And like they're not. So why are they going after Beto then? Because he's young. He's charismatic. He's raising a lot he's of money. Threat. And he's white. And he's mm-hmm. a dude. <laughs> yeah. That's it. Yeah. That's why they don't like him. Yeah. Right. They're not going after Kamala Harris. They're not going. Oh, after, no. They're going after everybody. I mean, they are. But like not no, as hard not, as Beto. Well, his campaign, his campaign is not right. Like. Yeah, his campaign. Can you hear me? Okay, yeah. His campaign is not like David Sirota did, but his campaign is really like kind of. Sorry, my mic's not working. Beto focus? No. It's not the mic, it's the headphones. Just keep going. Okay, you can hear me? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, so his campaign is sort of Beto focused, but of course he wants to go after everybody, but particularly like the progressives, right? Mm-hmm. Elizabeth Warren. Um, I don't know that he's attacked specifically. I feel like maybe she's... They've gone after everybody. Has Bernie's campaign specifically gone after Elizabeth Warren? Oh, yeah. And what did they say? Uh, They went after her for the Cherokee thing. Uh, They've gone after her for being not tough enough on the banks and some other crap. It's... 
That would be a weird angle. It, but they're, of all the things, yeah, no, they've definitely gone after Warren about her. You, you about can look it up. They've definitely gone after Warren. They've gone after everybody. That's my point. They're they're going scorched earth, and where somebody like Beto is going more of a like you know, and and Kamala, these are all my friends. I have respect for all of them. We're all close to being on the same page. Like Bernie and his surrogates are going to scorch the earth. Yes. Now. It may not matter. Let you know. Let's say it's we still got a year to go before the first primary, basically. So, like, it could be that the first couple primaries, Bernie's like fourth or fifth, and not even among the top two. Like, we're assuming this is going to be a big problem if once again it is a binary thing, right? right? It is quote the establishment pick, whoever that is. If it's a Kamala or a Biden or a Beto or whoever. Versus Bernie, and then it is 2016 Redux, and here we go again, and and like, <laughs> oh, like I'm dreading that we're gonna have to go through this shit again, and this is what I want to get to my rant with the last 10 minutes, and it's already starting. Okay, uh, we we forget sometimes when we spend a lot of time on Twitter, we make the mistake of thinking that Twitter is the rest of the world in real life and represents what everybody else is thinking, and that is not true. Sometimes it does reflect. What is going on in the pulse of the country? But a lot of times it doesn't. I, I think like only like twelve percent of the of the voting public <laughs> follows Twitter like regularly, right? Is that true? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's a very small number. But I happen to follow certain segments of Twitter quite a bit. Obviously, there's our friends on Daily Coast that I'm, you know, follow religiously. And then there's this segment of Twitter I like to call it hip woke comedy Twitter. And it's usually when you go to your home thing on Twitter, it's under what they call funny accounts. But really, all those accounts are really fall into this paradigm of they're either uh, stand up comedians or comedy writers who happen to have Twitters or they are uh, freelance sort of writers that write for Vice and do comedy or they uh, are left wing uh, journalists who happen to be kind of funny. Right. And they, Twitter throws them all into this thing called funny accounts. And they're all left wing, right? There's no like, well, because like funny they're right wing like is kind of They're not like sending you Jeff Foxworthy. Like. <laughs> no, no, no. So, and I could understand why like you might get disgruntled about that. But like if one of y'all on the right were actually funny, it would be fine. But you're not. So I don't know what to tell you. Right. But anyway, these people are all Bernie shills is my point. And they're pretty obnoxious and they're getting more and more obnoxious and they're almost like 97% white dudes between the ages of 28 and 50. Like they are all white dudes. Most of them like live in, live in New York or LA and they are Bernie shills. And, oh man, they're, they're, they're going down the path again. And I, and I enjoy their Twitter. They're funny. They say some great stuff. They, great barbs at, at Trump. So I follow them, you know, and, and you, I think, you know, the crowd I'm talking about. I do. I, I just happen to follow a lot of other like, um, political comedians that are lots of women and people of color. Yeah. And they have a very different take than uh, those people that, that are like trending funny on I, Twitter. That's fine. And yeah. I follow them too. But under this, this, this core group of hip woke comedy Twitter, I like never look at that. Yeah. Like this is their thing. And let me, let me tell you what kind of drives me crazy, but I'm kind of over and don't care about anymore. And, and they're, they're in the, what I call the Bernie would have won faction. 
and they're still on this. And every time I kind of get that from any of these people or other people, Bernie would have won. I say, well, yeah, maybe, but so what? Like that, that, that argument is tantamount to saying, she hold on. That argument is tantamount to saying, well, the New Orleans Saints would have won the Super Bowl had they played the Patriots. And I say, okay, well, maybe, but so what? They lost the NFC championship. And you can say, well, they lost because of a shitty referee's call and it wasn't fair and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, yeah, and Hillary lost because <laughs> Comey and the Russians and a bunch of other shit. Hillary won. It, it happens. But the, the point was like too fucking bad, man. Bernie would have beat Trump is your battle cry. And that may be true, but who fucking cares? And now if you're one of these people that says, well, he only lost because the DNC rigged it and they murdered Seth Rich. And they, it's like, again, there's this idea that's really insulting that the core of the democratic base, which is basically women of color, they can't make an informed decision and they just wait for the quote amorphous DNC to whisper into their ear who to vote for. And otherwise, they would have voted for Bernie Sanders. Like, I mean, do you know who votes in Democratic hold on, primaries? Hold on. Otherwise, in supposedly intelligent people keep making this argument, and I want to punch him in the fucking face. And it, 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 I want to punch him in the face not only because it's insulting, but it is also supposedly because now we're doing this again, and you want to win the primary again, and you're not learning your lesson of how you could expand the base and bring in some of those voters you couldn't get last time. So it's, it's like you're writing the script to do the same shit again, but you're doubling down and doing it harder. You're, you're doubling down and doing it harder. His campaign announcement literally said we should stop talking about the democratic party in terms of people's identities. We should stop talking about black people and brown people yeah. and gay people and women. And, and, and that was his announcement. And, and all on. of us just went, what and the ho- fuck? And hold on. And wi- and hip woke comedy Twitter, which is almost completely a bunch of white dudes between the <laughs> yep. ages of 28 and 50, all nod furiously along. See? And yeah. write very, yeah. very yeah. funny things and tweet them. And then guys, it, it it's like you're on a mission for another another Trump term. You want eight years of Trump or no? like it's like you 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 don't want anybody from the Dem establishment to win, but you really don't want Bernie to win either. Like people forget, and let me remind all you. We were for Bernie. We caucus captain yes. for Bernie. Yes. We chose him. We had a fundraiser the- at my house with about 30 people to watch a speech he was going to do remotely with food, including vegan and gluten free food <laughs> at my house in the with caucuses. a whole bunch of people with I didn't know Not only- just so that we could watch him talk yes. and we could raise some money and get some email addresses. We were for Bernie. Not only did we support Bernie, we voted for him in the caucus and organized our little caucuses yes. out in the suburbs of, of Denver, Colorado. Uh, and he won and it's all because of us. No, he won by a lot. But <laughs> the point was like, okay, we were for him. And, and what was even driving us crazy about the time is that we, we knew the message wasn't getting through to people he needed to get through to. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're like going back and, and, and Bernie's, thought process was, well, I'll never get those people. So if I can make like Hillary's all, got them, hold on. If I can make all these primaries and caucuses open, I can get all these crossover mm-hmm. independent conservative white people to then vote for me. And that can push me over the top. And that is still not going to be enough. So 
Like, I wonder if they even want Bernie to win. Like, they act like they do, but I think they just... No, no, no. They they do. They don't understand what happened. They are <laughs> very, very misunderstood about what actually happened and why it happened. Yes. And that's the important thing. And, and why his message isn't getting through to people of color. No, of course it is not. But they don't understand why. Um, they don't understand why because they're and they talking about. And they get very defensive when we tell them because the message white is not defensiveness is just the strongest force in the universe. And I'm talking about hip woke, yep. funny people in New yep. York who love AOC and yep. they say socialism is great and they want their reparations are a good idea. Except they're quiet when Bernie says he doesn't want them. Like these are supposedly the hippest, wokest, coolest, most progressive people on earth, and they re- and they refuse. To empathize or put themselves in in the shoes of the majority because they know a person of color who's for Bernie, so they say, "Oh, okay, well that base is covered." I can't right. explain why why he's losing by eighty percent to all the black people in South Carolina, but who fucking cares? Yep. Or they or I refuse to acknowledge that this or that's the DNC rigging the vote. Like it's so fucking racist guys, and insulting. You're gonna lose again, and then when you lose, you're gonna scorch the earth to give us more Trump. So no, I don't have any time for your bullshit. You're, nope. y- y- I can tell by your writing style and certain things you say that you're smarter than that, but you got to take the blinders off or we're just going to have a really ugly, gross, contentious splitting primary that's going to lead to potentially four more years of fascism. So guys, I don't know what to tell you, but you're, you're, you're laying we, the we groundwork do, we, I for do the, feel same the same shit way. again. I feel this- yes. Like we are laying the groundwork for. I'm watching it happen. I'm watching it unfold in front of me. And there's and like it nothing is we could do about it. Fucking horrifying. Yeah. Like, let's scream about fascism on Twitter all day long and then let's go do the Bernie thing. <laughs> and it's like, are you fucking with me right now? Yeah. Are you actually a fascist? Because it feels like you might be a fascist. Yeah. Because that's what it feels like. Or, you're that, doing. or that you want more of that so you can bitch more. Or I don't know. Get more clicks on I don't your blog know. about I, I, fascismisbad.com. I, I, I don't get I, it. I don't know. Explain to me. Actual people's lives are at stake and are being ruined as we have seen every single day. Can you remember the last two years? Every single day is awful. Yeah. And children are in cages. And like there's every fucking day is awful. Awful, just like I said it well, would be. We have so much time uh, to go before the primary, so much more to talk about. We're going to talk about this a whole lot more. And I hope that we're not just explaining that it's unfolding exactly like it did four years ago, but Bernie and his people seem determined for that to happen. It's like they want 2016 Redux again only on steroids. <laughs> so I don't know what to tell you. I hope that doesn't happen, but we're out of time. Find us on Twitter at Irreverent Duo, Reverend Testimony at gmail.com. I'm Travis. I'm Rachel. See you next week.